This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the November 16th, 2022 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. I was going to skip today because we have an unexpected surgery. That happens when you get older. But an announcement got my juices going, and I felt the need to write. This one is different, and there are no quick hitters. Before I move on, I do have a favor to ask. I put a lot of time into this and would like to get my downloads up. Not your job, but I am asking for help. If each of you could share this with 10 folks, I would appreciate it. Maybe the pitch is, here are some different, alternative thoughts, and you might be interested. I don't expect folks to agree with all that I say. Disagreeing is fine, particularly if this podcast caused you to think about an issue a bit beyond the bumper stickers. So please share. If it makes you more comfortable, pass on the link and say you won't believe the crap this guy is spewing. Moving on. Florida Senator Rick Scott is running for leader of the Republican Senate against longtime leader Mitch McConnell. He says it is time to be bold and resolute. I just heard Schumer lambase Rick Scott saying Scott's views are ridiculous. Views like taxing the middle class or considering cuts to Social Security. Schumer is probably accurate, though I did not double-check to make sure these are Scott's actual views. I have a couple of questions, though. While I can't find the amount of the massive deficit between how much Social Security takes in and pays out, I know it's large. And the IOUs will run out around 2034 when, by law, the payments will have to be equal to what comes in. So about a 24% cut in benefits. First question, isn't that something we should discuss and consider alternatives? Might cutting be one of the alternatives for consideration? Second question, is Rick Scott's idea awful that it is bad for a vast majority of citizens to not pay taxes. Most countries have the middle pay taxes. More folks have skin in the game. I know in Sweden, they get to high tax rates pretty quickly. It may not be a popular idea, but some low level of taxes for all makes sense to me, at least for a topic of discussion. I'm sure it was good politics for Schumer to slam anyone who takes an adult view to our problems. I don't think it was good for our country. In her autobiography, former Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill actively supported Todd Akin to win the Republican primary. She wanted Akin to be her opponent, thinking he would be easier to beat. In this election cycle, the practice of picking your opponent seems to have been more prevalent. Maybe it just got more notice. Often it involved helping an election denier win the primary and then in the general election complaining that the person was an election denier. Feels icky to me, but to be fair, I think engaging in politics is like walking in a muddy field. Don't wear a white suit. In the back of my mind, I thought, didn't Hillary prefer to run against Trump because she thought he would be easier to beat? I searched for that and found this article from Salon by Ben Norton, published in 2016. It is titled, How the Hillary Clinton Campaign Deliberately Elevated Donald Trump with Its Pied Piper Strategy. This is not a conservative article. How do we know? The opening paragraph, quote, Republican Donald Trump, a far-right demagogue who campaigned on a slew of bigoted, xenophobic policies, has won the 2016 presidential election in a shocking victory few people predicted, 
end quote. The basis for the article was a 2015 Hillary Clinton campaign email that was released by WikiLeaks. I had trouble reading the actual Clinton campaign memo, so I'm using a second linked article from Works in Progress. Podesta email, and the title is Podesta email reveals Democratic Pied Piper strategy that backfired. My intent was to read the actual memo in this podcast, but it is too long. I will offer two comments. First, Democrats either wanted the far-right candidates to win or to move the other candidates to the far-right. I understand it, but again, it feels icky. Second, and this is the biggie, it may explain a bit how Trump rose to the top of the pack. The memo is a call to action for a number of Democratic actors. If folks recall in the 2016 election, Trump did not spend a lot of money. He flew around and gave speeches. Cable news networks like MSNBC gave him a lot of free airtime. It never made sense. Now maybe it does. They were executing a play called by the Clinton campaign. I thought it was coincidence and a ratings move that caused liberal networks to inadvertently help elevate Donald Trump to be the nominee. Now I wonder if the liberal news networks were part of the Pied Piper strategy. Yeah, I sound like a crazy conspiracy person, but just because you are paranoid doesn't mean they are not out to get you. Why do I bring this up today? Because Trump frickin' declared his intentions to run in 2024. For the good of the party, couldn't he have waited until Georgia runoff was over? And we don't need his rude, divisive behavior. Another and, he will be 78 years old at the next inauguration. Younger than 82-year-old Joe Biden, but still ancient. I can tell you now that when the Republican field is assembled, Trump will be at the bottom of of my list. He was in 2016. I hope it will be a short list so that the anti-Trump vote does not get overly diluted. And I hope hope Democrats stay out of it and don't push Trump behind the scenes. But don't hold me to my anti-Trump views if it is Trump versus Biden, or Trump versus Hillary Clinton, or Elizabeth Warren, or the ever-present Beto O'Rourke. If Democrats nominate Joe Manchin, well, he might get my vote. I'm trying to be bipartisan, but can't come up with another Democrat who isn't batshit crazy. Suggestions are welcome. Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you did not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know.